strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Ring. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score! Touchdown! Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up! Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! You know, when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals head coaching search 2023, when it comes to casting that net far and wide, my opinion, thanks for asking, Ron Wolfley. Yes, Paul. I don't really care about the when or the where or even the how. I ultimately just care about the who and the why and then the who else. Who's that coach bringing along as part of his staff? That's all I care about. Because <laughs> once upon a time, the Arizona Cardinals were what? They were dead last in hiring Bruce Arians. Did that work out pretty well? Were there immediate returns on investment from that hire? Once upon a time, 2013. Yes, there were. Rhetorical question. Ten years ago, that was the case. So, okay, we're going to get into all this and more on this edition of the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley. And speaking of who, our big guest tonight, Drew Stanton, because the former Cardinals quarterback and longtime NFL quarterback, I mean, he's had first-time head coaches, he's had experienced head coaches, he's had offensive and defensive head coaches, he's had anybody and everybody under the sun, and so we'll get his thoughts, and also he's had a rehab from season-ending injuries, we'll talk about Kyler and Monty and pending free agents, but right now, Ron Wolfley, your thoughts on just where things stand with this head coaching search as yet another interview was conducted today reportedly with brian callahan the cincinnati bengals offensive coordinator yeah paulie you know for me i've got to start with this i got to start with kyla murray kyla murray himself right now we we're talking about sean payton of course out there and whether or not sean payton was going to be the perfect fit to get kyla murray right we're talking about defensive-minded coaches you know how much i like defensive-minded coaches coming in here to be the next head coach for the arizona cardinals how are they going to impact kyla murray you know it as i've been saying for weeks Paulie, does Kyler Murray think he's got to get right? Does Kyler Murray think? You, you have to answer that question, I think, first, Paulie. And I think Kyler knows that. I think this rehab is an excellent opportunity for Kyler to come to the waters and be water, so to speak, and allow himself to learn the game of football all over again and recommit himself to becoming the best Q he can be, Paulie. That has got to happen first. Only then will whoever the head coach is for the Arizona Cardinals, the next head coach, only then will he be able to actually improve Kyler's game. 
All right, so like this week, Brian Callahan interviewed today reportedly, former quarterback coach with the Lions and the Raiders and obviously with Cincinnati. And Lou Amarumo, he was a yesterday. Now he's a defensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals. On Tuesday, Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator for the Giants, also known as a quarterback guru. He worked with Patrick Mahomes. And look at the before and after this year when he came on board with the Giants and Daniel Jones. But I'm intrigued. Why are you intrigued by a defensive head coach? Yeah, Paulie, that's a great question. It really is, but largely because of three three things. Number one, um, it gives that head coach, who's a defensive-minded head coach, it gives separation to Kyler Murray. I, I, I doubt he's going to be the quarterback coach. I doubt he's going to be the offensive coordinator. I doubt he's going to meddle in any of that. He's basically going to be separated from a lot of the day-to-day the the meeting to meeting the practice to practice he's he's going to be separated from Kyler Murray a lot I like that I I think they need to bring a guy in who is going to be a true alpha male he's going to be the guy I'm the head coach you're the quarterback you're the defensive tackle you're the offensive tackle you you guys are players I'm the head coach I'm going to command this room I'm going to command this room. Um, I think that's important. Paulie, you know that I'm old school. I'm not going to apologize for being that, but I think that's the next head coach coming in here. That's job one for him. So a true CEO, just by default, because you're a defensive-minded head coach. That's separate. Yeah, that's number one, Paulie. Number two, we've got young defensive players, of course, on this roster that are really, really good. Guys like Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins and Marco Wilsons. And oh, by the way, if you actually take somebody with a number three pick overall, there's a real good chance that's going to be a defensive player as well. True. Now you've got these young guys, Paulie, that you want to bring along. And I think having a defensive minded head coach will really benefit them. Plus, I think defense could be a strength when you factor in improvement from Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons and Marco Wilson and Buda Baker. We all know how good he is. Jalen Thompson, Zach Allen, Paul. If you can sign Zach Allen and bring him back and... Byron Murphy as well. Those two, I think, are really critical signings bringing back um, this offseason as unrestricted free agents. So I think that's number two, Paulie. And number three for me is just the fact that defensive-minded head coach has the kind of mentality. More than not, Paul, every defensive coordinator I have been around or or a defensive-minded head coach, they just have a mentality that focuses more on the physicality of the game, and I like that. All right, it's a big red rage. In fact, we're going to ask Drew Stan about some of those pending free agents next. I'm also going to ask him about first-time head coach versus experienced head coach because when you look at the list as it stands right now with three teams having made their hires, the Carolina Panthers going for Frank Reich, Denver Broncos, Sean Payton, Houston Texans, D'Amico Ryans, and it sounds like that was preordained from the get-go. D'Amico Ryans being a longtime team captain with the Texans, his wife being from the Houston area. So if you look at the Cardinals list, there are three prominent names who are defensive guys. Brian Flores, former head coach of the Miami Dolphins, who's interviewed. Of course, Vance Joseph, Cardinals defensive coordinator, former head coach of the Broncos back in the day when his quarterback was like Trevor Simeon. And then Detroit defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn, who reportedly will have a second interview upcoming with the Cardinals. Now, two of those three were former head coaches. How important is that to you in the mix? 
Yeah, it is important to me. Um, I, it doesn't mean I'm right on that, Paulie. You know, it doesn't. I want to make that really, really clear. But for me, I, I like a guy that has head coaching experience right now. For me, if you're just asking me, Paulie, I, there are two guys, and it's Brian Flores and Vance Joseph, those two guys right there that I I would love to see get hired. Now, again, I know you can only hire one of them, but take Brian Flores. I think he might be the front runner. And the reason why I say that, for two reasons largely, uh, number one is Monty Ossenfort and his relationship with Monty. And yep. they worked together, Paulie, right mm-hmm. back in the Patriots organization for a, a lot of years. And, well, at least Monty did, of course, but they worked together in the Patriot organization. And, you know, so I like that exposure to each other. Maybe they've got a little bit of Billichak in them in regard to the synergy and how Bill thinks. So I like that. And also, too, I would say, the outsider, the outsider approach of bringing in a Brian Flores, where he really doesn't know Kyler Murray on a on a professional level, where they're working day in and day out together. I think somebody outside the organization has a better chance of producing real change in this offense with Kyler Murray, of course, at the helm. Um, I could be wrong on that, Paulie, but I think the familiarity with Vance Joseph in the season that was 2022 actually works against Vance, and that sucks buttermilk. It's not fair. It isn't, but it's a reality, I think. It is. I get it. You know, you're guilty by association in a lot of ways with a 4-13 and campaign. I'll just say this in regards to Vance Joseph. If you're looking for someone with immediate inside knowledge. yes of where the solutions are and where the problems are and maybe which players fit under either category heading, Vance Joseph knows as well as anyone. Yes. He comes in with that competitive advantage. Now, whether he's too... Paulie, I just want to jump in. You know who knows that best is the Arizona Cardinals, (laughs) the organization, and Michael, Michael Bidwell, of course, and they know that best. What is going to work with Kyler? Is it going to be maybe somebody? I'm not saying they're just going to do it because it's somebody from the outside, but is it going to be somebody from the outside or somebody from the within that they already know Kyler Murray? Interesting question. I'm just guessing that when you held the interview with Vance Joseph, it was probably a lot more advanced and detailed about the state of the team and the roster. Yeah. And what he would do and who would stay and who would go than any other candidate, just because he has such an internal knowledge from the past four years. The other thing that we don't know, what might separate every one of these candidates, is who's the coordinator they're bringing with them. If you're a defensive guy like Brian Flores or Vance Joseph, who's your OC? That could be a deciding factor, obviously, just like one of these defensive guys, you know, an offensive guy with their defensive coordinator. Hey, it's episode 55 of the Dave Pash podcast featuring actor and comedian Frank Caliendo. I laugh just thinking about it. It's a great listen via Twitter. Find it at Pash Pod. Drew Stan, former Cardinals quarterback, next on the Big Red Rage. I feel like the experiences that I've had at the three organizations that I've been with, I'm going to take pieces from each of those organizations, things that I've learned, things that I liked, processes that I'll keep, but I'm also going to put my own spin on them. This is not a wash, rinse, and repeat of someplace else. What works in one building is not just easily transferable to another building, but there are foundational elements that can be taken from each of those buildings and has helped form who I am 
And that's what I'm going to bring here to this organization as we continue this move to make the football operations the way we want them to run. That is new GM, Monty Austin Ford, searching for a new head coach. The most definitely will be a new roster. And we'll sometime soon, at least according to Fox, there'll be a new number one analyst in the booth earning $375 million over 10 years. That wow. would eclipse the $333 million he made during his 23-year playing career. Those are the contract numbers of Tom Brady. Of course, Tony Romo earns 10 years, $180 million with CBS. I'm just throwing that out there because, you know, at some point maybe in the future, the two of us will be saying, you know, once upon a time, we were on Cardinals broadcasts with former Cardinals quarterback Drew Stanton, who's now earning the big money and a big boost somewhere on network TV. But that is in the future for now. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, and Drew Stanton, who does or does not have designs on trying to go ahead and, and pursue network TV at some point, Drew. What, what is your future career path? That's a great question. If there's any correlation between their playing careers, how much money they made, then I'm probably going to have to go uh, a different direction uh, than those guys. So, uh, you know, I've, I've enjoyed being a part of the, the Cardinals broadcasting team. It's been great to be able to uh, spend time with you guys and see it from a different lens. And the thing that's been most exciting for me is kind of being able to be an analyst from the standpoint of educating from a player's perspective. Not that Wolf doesn't do a good job of that. We just, you know, sometimes have varying uh, viewpoints. No, that is that is honestly, it's a great answer by you, and it's a great observation as well. Speaking of observing, what about the coaching search that is going on right now with the Arizona Cardinals? What is your general overall thoughts on what is happening right now, Drew? Well, uh, you know, we talked about it on the Red Sea Report. They wanted to cast a wide net, and they needed to be able to do it and, and get a general manager in place. And as we heard Monty Austinport talk about, he is going to be a product of his experiences that he's been. He's been at some great places. It's all about collaboration, right? You have to have a leader, but then you have to be able to take feedback. You've got to be able to take criticism, and there's going to be errors along the way. You have to be able to correct those errors. You've got to get on the same page, and you've got to find a head coach with the same vision as you. And it doesn't necessarily have to be an X's and O's guy. It's got to be a guy that's going to stand up in front of the room, command a room, be a leader of men, that can motivate guys, can connect with all guys on the roster, in the building. Uh, you, know, you know, the great head coaches that I've been around, they do it a lot of different ways, and there's no two ways that you have to do it. You just have to authentically be yourself. And they're coming into a situation where, look, you've got to get the most out of a franchise quarterback uh, that's coming off of an injury. You've got some pieces in place, but there's also a ton of question marks. Drew, to what degree does a team take on the identity of its head coach? Oh, I think completely, right? I mean, look, the the most exposure that we have when we are in season, and Wolf can attest to this, is the men in that locker room. And it's the people that yeah. you're around and all these things. And, look, if there's a great culture that exists and people are excited to go to work and you are looking at your head coach and he's empowering you and pushing you and doing all the things that you need to do throughout the course of a grueling season – you're going to be better off for it, and then you're going to come together. And every year is different. No two years are the same in the NFL. 
I mean, you can look down in Jacksonville, right? You see Urban Meyer, a college coach that doesn't really fit. Boom, you insert a very similar roster with a completely different human being as the head coach, and he instilled confidence in them. He was a, a whole different shift culturally in one season, which it's possible. You've seen this occur, but at the same time, you have to have conviction as a head coach. You have to have things that you're going to stand on and a foundation, much like Bruce Arians, of trust, loyalty, and respect, right? Those were words that meant something to us. That's what we took on of trusting the person next to you, respecting your teammates, respecting the game, respecting all of these things. And you've got to be able to trust the process that it's going to take to get there because sometimes it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be easy. But it's a, a group of men, it's a band of brothers sticking together through thick and thin that when it comes time to be able to rely on them, you know without a shadow of a doubt the person next to you is in the fight with you. Really don't want to drive this into the ground at all, but where were you on the Sean Payton um, search and whether or not Sean Payton was going to be the next head coach for the Arizona Cardinals? And where would you like to see the Cardinals go after Sean Payton? Are you referencing when I stuck my foot in my mouth on Tuesday and said Sean Payton only wanted the Dallas job? Did Paul put you up there? <laughs> I did not. No. I did no. not. But I, but but I, I love the... No. I am Look, smiling I because we were both wrong, Drew, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. you know, right? Uh, so and anyways, uh, that's the thing with the owners. They have the ability to write these, uh, these checks that they can cash. Uh, so they went out and got Sean Payton. I think he would have been a tremendous hire here. Right? I think that when you look at a head coach – there is a certain set of requirements. And when you look at an offensive coordinator, it is a completely different set of circumstances. He is the one unique person that I think can do both of those jobs extremely mm-hmm. well. And it's hard to find the balance, to be able to manage a game. And when we saw it firsthand with Cliff, it's really hard to be able to do both of those extremely well at a high level in a high-pressure situation and make a split-second decision and have it be right, or have it not be second-guessed by everybody. So Sean Payton is elite from the standpoint of the personnel that he puts on the field, how comfortable he makes the quarterback. He is going to find what your weakness is, and he's going to expose it. If he needs to run the ball 40 times, if he needs to throw the ball 40 times, or be completely balanced, he has the capability to disperse Mm -hmm. the ball and do so many things and create mismatches, and that's really what you're looking for offensively. You want to be the aggressor. Sean has done that. But he's done it masterfully as far as having control of an entire organization. I mean, that's why they were so good for so long and why he was so highly sought after. So, you know, it's unfortunate that they couldn't get it done here. Uh, He is going to have success wherever he goes. I firmly believe that. But you look at what's here, what's now, uh, and, again, what needs to be done as far as this organization, and Monty Austinfort is going to put his stamp on it and hire the person he thinks is best fit to be able to take this nucleus and build, as he said, not just for next year, but an organization that has sustainable success. Last question on the head coaching search. It's Drew Stan on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. First-time head coach versus an experienced head coach. How big a deal mm-hmm. is that to you, Vance Joseph, Brian Flores, former head coaches, you know, candidates like today's interviewee, Brian Callahan, yesterday Lou Anarumo. Uh, you know, if you have Aaron Glenn coming in reportedly for a second interview, those guys would be first-time head coaches. How big a deal do you think that is to Monty Austin Ford? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I don't think it necessarily is a requirement to have head coaching experience. I think sometimes the perception of been there, done that, or 
some of these guys that haven't had success, can they learn from their failures? Can they make those corrections to the errors that maybe transpired in them getting fired in the first place? I think, again, it comes down to is there a plan in place that people feel comfortable about? And then you know that plan is going to have to adjust over time. It's going to have to adapt throughout the course of a season between roster manipulation and all of these things of what that initial vision is going to be. And I honestly think that so many NFL organizations are trying to get ahead of the curve. That's why we saw the Sean McVays of the world get hired so young and have success because it doesn't have to have a direct correlation between experience and all of this stuff. I remember talking with a coach when I was in the NFL and play and, and you know, he always would refer to the number of years that he had in the NFL coaching. And I was like, that doesn't automatically make you a coach just based off of that. You know, 30 years of bad coaching can still be 30 years of bad coaching. So, I say that in reference to young guys that are energized and can come in there and have an infectious personality. I think there's pros and cons to experience or also, again, based off of what was at their disposal. Some of these head coaches that are younger, um, you know, might have been handcuffed their first time around, might not have had the opportunity to really put their imprint on it. And so, again, I think it's more about the candidate really than looking at does he have head coaching experience. So, Drew, in terms of the free agents that the Arizona Cardinals have on their team, unrestricted free agents, and who you would like to see them bring back, I'm thinking of Zach Allen and Byron Murphy and Kelvin Beecham and Will Hernandez in particular. Where where do you start when you, you look at those four guys in particular, and what do you think about bringing them back? Yeah, look, I, I think they've been great contributors, and any team that I've been a part of and any team that was any good, and you look at even now the Super Bowl teams, you've got to be able to win in the trenches. And that's, again, I've got an easy cop-out answer from a quarterback's perspective, but I would make an effort to look at the consistency that you got out of Calvin Beachum this year and started as many games as he did. Will Hernandez was on a one-year deal. I would love to bring those guys back to keep some continuity. Byron Murphy had the back injury, couldn't play, but was playing at a high level trying to earn that second contract and again Zach Allen has just taken off every year he's gotten better he stayed healthy he had a tremendous year the problem is always going to be you know the salary cap but if you can find a way to get those four guys back in the building it's going to be a huge asset again of just the familiarity of what it means the pride that it takes to be a part of this organization right Super Bowl look we, we could get into you know, a lot of different angles. Let me ask you one specific from a quarterback perspective, from the perspective of Jalen Hurts and that offensive staff with the Eagles. Kansas City runs out there three rookie corners and a rookie safety who are regulars. Why hasn't anyone really been able to expose that yet? And do you think the Eagles will? Well, I think the it's tough to expose because they get after the quarterback, right? It's hard to throw the ball when you're on your back. And, you know, as, as much as Spags wants to pressure you, as the defensive coordinator, he's going to come and bring different looks and do all these things. Uh, and I'm just so curious to see if one of these teams can jump out to a lead because both of them have shown the capability of jumping on people early and never looking back and being able to do these things. And these are two dynamic quarterbacks, two quarterbacks that uh, obviously are at the top of what it takes to be elite and in the MVP race for this year. And, it's going to be extremely difficult. At the same time, I think with the background that they have and the experience they've had now, again, these rookies are coming in so prepared. It's not like you know back in the day when 
you you might not know what's going on or any of these things. And look, you're also if you're bringing a bunch of pressure, then you're going to be playing man to man. And all you got to do when you're playing man to man is guard the guy across from you. Now the guys across from them in the Super Bowl just so happen to be all the variations of Batman. And so you've got to deal with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and Quez Watkins. They are a dynamic group, and that is what makes them so difficult to defend is they have the capability to disperse the ball to so many different people that every single guy on that defense is going to have to be able to cover down. They're going to have to be able to hold their own. And they do it through different looks. They try to disguise. They'll put safeties over the top and double people. But there's only so many guys you can double when you're out there on a football field. And quarterbacks are capable of finding those one-on-one matchups. And then you also throw Dallas Goddard into the mix, and it's like, okay, they've got a, a, a very good tight end, not quite as good as Jason or as Travis Kelsey at this point. But, again, the amount of star power on each of these offenses is just tremendous, and it's going to be so much fun to watch the Super Bowl. So when you think of the quarterbacks in this Super Bowl, and you said quarterbacks an awful lot there, Drew, being part of the quarterback <laughs> club, so I understand that. But, my friend, when you look at this, when you look at Jalen Hurts and Pat Mahomes, of course, what are your first thoughts on the quarterback matchup in this Super Bowl? Well, I think the first thing is is you look at Patrick Mahomes, and I am just completely enamored with what he's been able to accomplish. <laughs> and I really think you go back to the beginning. I mean, we were all unfortunately witnessed that game uh, one against the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. He came into this season on a mission. I think he had enough talk of – Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and everybody else about how all of these quarterbacks are so elite and he didn't do anything except for put his head down and just go to work. Mm-hmm. He just worked and you can see there's a different tone, there's a different demeanor, there's a different pep in his step that though he's accomplished a lot and they've, you know, hosted five straight AFC championship games, he realizes, hey, our window's wide open right now, much like Joe Burrow talked about. These guys have to be able to capitalize. And then you look at somebody across from him and Jalen Hurts that just methodically has just taken his time. Again, that is, has taken a lot of hardship, has dealt with trial as well of, okay, well, he got benched for two and then, you know, had to sit out. And then all of these things, second round pick, just getting a chance, biding his time. But then when the time comes, he makes the most of it. And again, it's just this the persona of these guys, and that's really what these teams take on, right? You look at what they're able to do as the number one seeds, and these quarterbacks are the leaders, the unquestionable leaders in that locker room. Mm-hmm. And you see that personality carry over to everybody. And when a play needs to be made, they're looking at these guys to make it, and there's no question in their mind that either one of them are able to go out there and win a football game for you. So, again, this is exactly what the NFL wants. Two number one seeds, a marquee matchup, two unbelievable quarterbacks, two phenomenal teams, right? And I think you look at all of the, the storylines that go into it um, between Sirianni being in Kansas City and then obviously Andy Reid being in Philadelphia for as long as he was. So it, it is the hype is going to be real, and it's going to be an exciting game. Yeah, it's first-team All-Pro against second-team All-Pro and Patrick Mahomes against Jalen Hurts. All right, down the stretch we come with Drew Stan, former Cardinals quarterback. Let's run the no-huddle here, Drew. A quick response, rapid fire on three quarterback questions. Number one, do you believe your former Tampa teammate, Tom Brady, is retired? Done. You think he's done with his NFL playing days? Yes. Okay. All right. Good. Aaron Rodgers, do you think he's done in Green Bay? Does he play at Lambeau or elsewhere next year? Green Bay. 
And, and the Niners quarterback situation, Trey Lance or Brock Purdy, where do you think they end up going when uh, it's all said and done, when they're all both healthy? Ooh, I, 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 think, uh, I think they'll both be in San Francisco. Really? Wow. Well, it's affordable, right? I mean, Brock Purdy as the last pick of the draft. And you traded three first-round picks for Trey Lance, so I'm guessing you're not going to get nearly that much if you trade him away. So, yeah, you probably. And that might be why Tom Brady retired, because he realized the Niners aren't going to bring him in to his former hometown team. Maybe. Just maybe. Yeah, or, or 23 years is plenty of quarterback. <laughs> right, there is Either that. Way. That's true. <laughs> and, and he has 10 years, $375 million awaiting him as yeah, we come full exactly. circle. So that could be it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right, Drew. Thank you as always. We appreciate the insight. And, uh, and, and you know what? Uh, I tell you, you look, at this, uh, you look at this Super Bowl coming up. Should be a good one. The last NFL MVP. To win a Super Bowl, and I bring that up because Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts are both among the five finalists for the award. Would you care to guess? There's a Cardinals connection to the last guy to win NFL MVP and the Super Bowl in the same season. Ron Wolfley. (laughs) Drew Stanton. There's a big picture of him I'm staring at right now, number 13, Kurt Warner. Oh, okay. 1999, the last regular season MVP and Super Bowl winner in NFL history. Drew, thank you. Appreciate it. Of course. Always good to talk with you guys. Thanks, Drew. There you go. Drew Stanton on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. More on the Chiefs. Do you hear what Travis Kelsey said about the key to a team that is in its third Super Bowl in four years? That is next on the Big Red Rage. Kansas City Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl for the third time in four years. The Chiefs win the AFC Championship and get revenge against the Bengals. 23-20, the final at Arrowhead. It'll be the Chiefs and the Eagles in Super Bowl 57. Right here in the AZ, Ian Eagle Westwood won. That was the final call. The AFC Championship as the Chiefs beat the Bengals and they advance to Super Bowl Sunday, February 12th. Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Funny how the last two teams standing, Wolf, are elite when it comes to the quarterback and getting to the quarterback. Funny how that works, (laughs) right? Yeah, now you're right about that, Paulie. Yet it may be the team that runs the ball the best in this Super Bowl that ends up winning the game. You're right. You're right. I mean, if you're asking me for my key to the game, uh, you know you know what? I'm going to save that for a little bit later. I'm just going to say this. You know, you look at the Cardinals, and obviously, and special thanks to Drew Stanton, and that was some great stuff talking about the head coaching search and beyond. But look at the two rosters. Look at the talent. Both sides have just piled up, right? Both GMs. In fact, Travis Kelsey, and we talked about this with Drew. Here's a quote I was talking about when Travis Kelsey was asked about the success of a Chiefs team that's been to five straight AFC championships. That's in the Super Bowl for the third time in four years. His quote was, I don't know if you've ever heard of a guy named Brett Veach, who's the Chiefs GM. But he has brought in some amazing talent, says Travis Kelsey. He put this team together. We're the best team in the AFC because of what he's been able to do on top of what these coaches have been able to do in terms of teaching these guys how to make plays. And at the end of that game, there were rookies everywhere for Kansas City. 
making plays in the secondary on the punt return by Sky Moore, the seventh round rookie running back Isaiah Pacheco, who's running back one right now. I, you know, they were able to lose talent, but add talent via the draft. And it just shows you if you get that element of it right, you can be competitive right away. No, you're right, Polly. You can be competitive. We see it all the time in the National Football League. We see the worst to first. It's across the league. That's something that I think is well established. We we see teams go from first to worst, as a matter of fact. So there's a lot of movement that can happen, of course, in the National Football League. This game, this game I think, is going to be a great matchup. I hope it doesn't turn into a shootout, but I kind of feel like it will, Paul. Really? <laughs> okay, I, I do. I kind of feel like it will. When you've got Patrick Mahomes, of course, and the Kansas City Chiefs, you're talking about the number one team in the National Football League in terms of scoring points the Kansas City Chiefs right they're going to score points and so is the Philadelphia Eagles so I think yeah this is going to be a shootout the quarterback that protects the ball of course and the offensive line that protects the quarterback I think that is going to be the key going forward what's one of the ways you can actually protect that quarterback you line up and you run the ball can the Kansas City Chiefs remain balanced enough to knock it one dimensional in this game because the Eagles pass rush is no joke. The Chiefs poly number two in the National Football League in terms of sacks per attempt allowed. Protecting Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes does not get sacked. He doesn't turn the ball over. They're number two in third down offense. This is this is a high powered well-lubed machine offensively. And the only thing that can derail it is the pass rush of the Philadelphia Eagles. Of course, the first game of this season, regular season, we saw Patrick Mahomes in person in the same stadium where this season will conclude, State Farm Stadium, and he couldn't have been more impressive for a regular season debut. Three touchdown drives in the first three possessions. What did you see in the AFC Championship with a banged-up Patrick Mahomes? How much more did your respect grow for him and his game? You know the answer to that, Polly. Honestly, I mean, we all, we all, I think, appreciate Patrick Mahomes, uh, the the humble guy that he is, for being the incredible talent that he is, the great quarterback that he is. He's he's body, soul, and spirit. He really is the threefold nature of man, Polly. I'm going to get all metaphysical on you right here, but it's it's the way that I I believe and watch football. I see it through the prism of body soul and spirit and Patrick Mahomes has it all he's got the spirit he's got the brain of course and he works at his job and his teammates love him and respect him because of it he's got the guts we all know about the physical talent of Pat Mahomes, the arm angles, the incredible talent that he is physically, but it's the guts, it's the soul of Pat Mahomes. And that was on display for all to see in that AFC Championship game on that third down where he ran out of bounds to end the game. Paulie, I thought yep. it was gonna I thought it was gonna be over. Two minutes and 30 seconds, and Joe Burrow has the ball on his own six-yard line. 94 yards to go down the field. I thought, that's it. He's going to take him down. This is going to be Burrowhead all over again. This is going to be the legend of Joe Burrow and the swag of Joe Burrow. The table was set. Two timeouts go down the field in a 2020 game, somehow win the game with a field goal or get it in the end zone, either one. 
and it did not happen for Joe Burrow. But there's Pat Mahomes suddenly getting the opportunity, and he did it. He pulled it down on that third and four, pulled it down, converted the first down, then got gunned in the back. It was the correct call. It was it was definitely a personal fall, and that ended up winning the game for the Kansas City Chiefs. Going back to that stop of Joe Burrow, that third down play that was made by... Chris Jones, that sack with 41 seconds to go, because there are a lot of people, a lot of NFL experts tweeting out the best player on the field in that game was actually number 95, Chris Jones, their defensive tackle extraordinaire, who had eight quarterback pressures. And on those eight quarterback pressures, there were three sacks, two by himself, five incompletions, and not a single positive yard generated by the Bengals on the eight times he got a quarterback pressure, which to me, Wolf, think about it, last year's Super Bowl champion with Aaron Donald. This year, how dominant Chris Jones has been. If Jalen Carter out of Georgia is that dude, and he's on the board at number three, to me, if you're the Arizona Cardinals, you can't resist. If you can get that sort of game record on the defensive interior defensive line, you got to take him. Paulie, I know that three technique, it's the most destructive force in the football universe. It is very, very appealing. I just got to watch the tape. I, I, you got to watch the tape, and you got to say, does he give it every play? Is he an every down guy? Is that Because we've seen a three technique that wasn't an every down guy. <laughs> we have seen that. You're, you're absolutely right. You got to make sure the motor is there. I will agree with you on that. Otherwise, I'm going Will Anderson. You're right. If the motor That's is right. Hey, the season ticket priority list is out there. Think about the teams coming in. The Giants, the Cowboys, the Ravens, the Falcons, and the Bengals. Go to azcardinals.com slash priority list for more info. We talk Eagles next on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We're down to five seconds. And the Eagles have been the NFC's best team all season long. Zeroes on the clock, and they will carry that momentum with big wins in the divisional round against the Giants and here in the championship round against San Francisco all the way to Arizona in Super Bowl 57. The Philadelphia Eagles are going to the Super Bowl again. A convincing 31-7 win over San Francisco. There you go. The final call, NFC Championship. Kevin Harlan on Westwood 1 setting up Super Bowl 57 right here in the AZ, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Kansas City Chiefs. In fact, you want a holy cannoli stat. Here you go, Ron Wolfley on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. You look like you need a stat. Do you know the team wearing the white jerseys has won 15 of the last 18 Super Bowls? No way. And the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be wearing white, and the (laughs) Eagles will be wearing their green. Oh my goodness, that Paul, that is crazy. It is what do weird. you make of that? 15 of the last 18 Super Bowls, the team wearing white has hoisted the Lombardi Trophy. So whatever you want to make out of that, all I know is that the Philadelphia Eagles have had the easiest path to a Super Bowl that I've seen in a long time. As they took care of the Giants, they routed them. Yes, they made them look bad. I get it. But then they got a San Francisco team where they knocked out the third-string rookie quarterback on the first series, dealt with a four-string quarterback for about a half, and then the Niners didn't even have a quarterback for the rest of the second half. So uh, you tell me, did the Eagles not have the easiest pass you've seen in a long time to a Super Bowl? 
Yeah, I'm not going to dispute that, Polly. But at the same time, when I think of the Philadelphia Eagles, the very first place I begin is Jalen Hurts. I I am sorry. All season long, I've been questioning Jalen Hurts. You know what it reminds me of? And it pains me that, to say this right now, and I'm sure Graybeard's going to roll over wherever he is. Get ready, Kurt Warner. I'm just saying, Kurt. It reminds me of Kurt in his rookie year when he was the guy that was out there getting the opportunity. Oh, Oh my goodness, look, Trent Green went down, everybody. Now Kurt Warner comes in, and the season he had, and it was week after week after, this is, this is going to be it right here. This is going to be the week where the wheels fall off for this Warner kid, and we all know how that ended. <laughs> Jalen Hurts, I, I coming into this season, the biggest question mark surrounding the Philadelphia Eagles was Jalen Hurts, and there's no disputing that. Everyone knew they had a pretty good roster after that, but Jalen Hurts was the question mark. How was he going to do? He, he had he flashed the year before. He flashed a little bit, but it wasn't like the Eagles weren't, you know, it wasn't like they weren't looking for another possible quarterback they could bring in in the offseason. There was a lot of talk about that. Jalen Hurts is where I begin, man, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Will this be it? Will this be the game that it's too big for him? Or not. And I'm thinking more and more, not. He's an MVP finalist. The two games he missed, they lost. He is 16-1 and as a starter now. But he also has arguably the NFL's best offensive line. Does he not? Yes. Jason Kelsey, an all-pro center. Lane Johnson, an all-pro right tackle. Their left tackle is a Pro Bowl alternate. I mean, they went out against that Niners defensive front. They had a dozen first down runs. They had about a half dozen chunk runs, 10 or more yards. Now, of course, you know, towards the end, the game got out of hand, and maybe that Niners defense got a little demoralized without a quarterback. But to me, that's the key of the game. I think both teams are pretty equal in most areas, but that Eagles offensive line, to me, if they neutralize Chris Jones and Frank Clark, look out. Yeah, Paulie, you know, you've heard me say it many, many times that you don't need the best offensive line in the league. You don't need the worst offensive line in the league. You, you want an offensive line that is good enough to allow your talent to do what they do. Well, guess what? The Philadelphia Eagles offensive line is not only good enough, but to your point, they're the best offensive line, I think, in the National Football League. And now you think of the talent that the Philadelphia Eagles have operating around, in and around that offensive line. And Jalen Hurts, of course, Miles Sanders, the running back, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. It goes on and on and on. Now all of a sudden, the talent that is there is magnified tenfold because of that offensive line, and that's what makes them so powerful. You named all those standout players, right? I mean, they got players, the Philadelphia Eagles, on both sides of the ball. Did you hear Giant Safety Julian Love on Good Morning Football NFL Network this morning? No. He made news by saying in studio with Good Morning Football about Nick Sirianni, he's doing a good job because he's not getting in the way of his team. (laughs) And then he went on to say, that he's in for a free ride right now, you guys can coach this team, quote, end quote. (laughs) Then when everybody tweeted out his soundbite from the TV side, he retweeted it and added, I'm not wrong, it's a player's league, and the Eagles have a bunch of dogs, and it doesn't have nearly as much to do with the coaching as it does the players. Your reaction to that? Yeah, Polly, you know how I feel about this, and Bill Belichick would agree with me, players win games. 
That 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 is Bill Belichick. That's straight from him. Players win games, but you got to have the schemes. Of course, coaching is important in the National Football League. Never forget that. I'm not saying that it's not important. I'm not saying there aren't good coaches and bad coaches in the NFL. I'm not saying that. There there are both beyond a shadow of a doubt. There are right down the middle of the road as well. But players. Players win games. I cannot tell you, Paulie, just how many times a play was designed that should have worked and, and it didn't work because it was not executed properly. It was not done correctly, whether it was a mental error or whether it was a physical error, you getting your face kicked in, whatever it was, it did not work because it wasn't executed by players. And then how many times a play that should have never worked, never because of the scheme you were faced with and against and the scheme you were running, a play that should have never worked worked because one player made a play, whether it was on the offensive line, whether it was the wide receiver, a tight end, a fullback, Paul. One guy makes a play, and suddenly the play works. Players win games, as Bill Belichick would attest, coaches lose them. Right, give me a word on that Eagles pass rush. They had a 62% quarterback pressure rate in the NFC Championship, the highest in the next-gen stat era. Uh, we know Hassan Reddick, the former Cardinal, he knocked out Brock Purdy in that first series of the game. He has 19 and a half sacks in 19 games this year, but he's far from the only dude on that pass rush for the Eagles. Yeah, you know, that's going to be the key for the Eagles. It's going to be about stopping the Kansas City Chiefs' ability to run the ball. I think they're going to try to run at the soft underbelly of the Philadelphia Eagles. That's the only weakness on their team. But if the Eagles can keep them in third and obvious pass situations, it's bad news for Pat Mahomes and that Chiefs offense. And the Cardinals hosted both teams. You've seen both teams firsthand. Sounds like you're leaning towards the Eagles in this game. I am, Paul. Okay. Right. And that makes me very uncomfortable because you got Pat Mahomes <laughs> yeah. on one side and Jalen Hurts on the other. Yeah, and he looks ultra-motivated. There's no doubt about that. Special thanks to Drew Stan, former Cardinals quarterback, executive producer Jim Omohundro, technical director Lauren Colville. For Ron Wolfley, on Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. You've been listening to The Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.